Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, which you can find at cinematicmultiverse.com. I'm Joe Cunningham, and joining me to help make sense of the comics behind the movies are... Seb Patrick. And James Hunt. Um, Now, normally we discuss the latest comic book movie and TV news, but there is no need to do that this week because this is our end-of-year award show special. We are going to look back at all of the films and TV shows that we have covered throughout 2016, um, and this will be split over two episodes um, because there's just too much fun chit-chat to fit into one podcast. So we're going to split this out into uh, two episodes and we're going to go back and we're going to give a bunch of awards to the movies we've covered this year. So this will be the the stuff that we've done um, that might have come out at any point in the past 20 or 30 years um, or the new films that were released in cinemas this year as well. So we have five nominees in each category which we will will go through as the podcast goes on and I should probably run you through all, listeners all of the things that we've covered on the show this year so you know what is eligible for the awards. So we have The Amazing Spider-Man, The Punisher, Deadpool, Ghost World, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Planet Hulk, The Mask, Captain America Civil War, X-Men Apocalypse, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Kingsman the Secret Service, Thor, Spider-Man 2, Suicide Squad, Batman Returns, Nick Fury, X-Men, Doctor Strange, Constantine, Captain America the First Avenger, and then we have the TV shows Agent Carter Season 2, Daredevil Season 2, The Flash Season 1, and Luke Cage Season 1, which we did bonus episodes on all of those. Can I just point out, we actually did cover two seasons of The Flash um, in in our Flash episode, and I only mentioned that because, yeah, because if any of my nominations have come up, like some of it is for Flash Season 2 rather than Season 1, so we, we did cover Season 2 as well. Yeah. Did we, I, I mean, I can't, I can't even remember Seb. <laughs> I just, re, I just remember being in a haze of goodwill towards the Flash. <laughs> so, um, so, so maybe that will be reflected in some of the nominations here. But I think we should probably get underway and um, discuss our first award. Uh, now, I did this last year. Um, this is kind of how the Oscars work. They give out <clears> one <throat> of the big, big kind of awards to hook you in with the interest straight away before kind of, you know, going out and giving some of those more crafty kind of awards that maybe people will turn off their TV, but you never know, there could be another actor around the corner. Um, <laughs> so we are going to start out this year with our Best Supporting Actress category. Um, and so, yeah, as I said, we have five nominees 
and we have nominated Tilda Swinton for her role in Doctor Strange, uh, Simone Missick, who was Misty Knight in Luke Cage. Um, <laughs> we have Kat Dennings from Thor. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> we have um, Scarlett Hansen, which I think is like a split nomination for um, Captain America Civil War, but probably mostly for her role in Ghost World. And we have Bridget Regan from um, Agent Carter Season 2. Again, probably not a surprise to regular listeners. Um, I'll just run you through some of the other um, actors that received votes in this category. We have Win Everett, um, Brianna Hildebrand. James, you nominated her. She's Negasonic Teenage Warhead, right? Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I, I had to Google her name when you put the nomination in, so I was like, who's that then? Um, we have Amy Adams, Alfred Woodard, um, Anna Paquin, and Famke Janssen from X-Men. Um, any of those that you were surprised didn't make the cut or that you that you really, really I mean, wanted to get in there? Brianna Hildebrand was the best thing in Deadpool, so I'm surprised neither of you guys went for that. To be fair, like when we were doing the nominations, I was about halfway through watching Deadpool and, and she'd barely been in it at that point. So I, I may have nominated her if I'd had the chance in time. Because she is, she is very good. She, she deserves a mention for that. Um, I think she she's, gets she's, good lines and she's just fine. She, she, didn't, she didn't even trouble my thought process, James. <laughs> <laughs> this is because I'm an X-Men nerd, though. Like, Seb hated Colossus in Deadpool and I thought he was hilarious, so... I think it was the voice I didn't like. I mean, I know what they were doing was an over-the-top Russian accent, but it, it didn't really, it didn't feel right to me. It didn't feel like Colossus. <laughs> it felt very right to me. Spoiler anyway, alert, not, not in about. our best supporting actor category either. Um, the one the one that I think I was uh, most upset by, um, whenever at losing out to Bridget Regan in the uh, Agent Carter race, I thought whenever it was fantastic in season two. She, and she, as she much was. as I like Dottie, I think Dottie was only in it for uh, five minutes yeah and the star of season one rather than season two so yeah i think maybe season one was more on my mind when nominating her for this but and also just you know generally dotty underwood was was on my mind which is a an affliction that i have on a on a pretty constant <laughs> basis um i mean yeah i'm I, i'm not gonna lobby too hard for her to win this but i do think it's a reflection of how good that character is and how good she is in that role that she stepped into the show while a load of other stuff was going on, basically had one episode really that was centered around her and and a little bit either side of it. And does she get the me... opening moments of the season, Seb? Is that is that this year when yeah, when yeah, opens yeah. Up she, she's dressed, she had, like, she's dressed as Peggy? Yeah, she had the she opening, caught. but then she then she yeah, gets that's... caught and she disappears, and then you have the episode with the party. And that episode for me was the best episode of the season, and she was fantastic, and her and Jarvis worked brilliantly, and. Mm-hmm. Oh, I miss Agent Carter. I love that show. Um, mm. So yeah, I just think it's a reflection of how good she is that, like, and how well she had established that character that she could come in and instantly be brilliant as that character for an episode and then disappear again. But we shouldn't underestimate how good um, whenever it was and how good that character was as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. James, um, do you have anyone in this category that you are that you are particularly passionate about winning this award? I know you I love Kat Dennings, but is is Kat Dennings your actual choice for best supporting actress this year? I mean, yes. <laughs> I, I don't want to be too predictable, but I don't see how anyone could watch Thor and not think she was the second best thing in it after Chris Hemsworth. Um, what about Tom Hiddleston? What about Tom Hiddleston? Oh, <laughs> see what you did there. Um, I mean, Kat Dennings is 
very funny. But is is that a little bit one note, James? <laughs> She's also yeah, very attractive. Good Does that note. count? <laughs> that is no, two it character count. traits. We're not we're not that kind of podcast. <sighs> no, no, and, and also then you would apply that to basically every nominee in all of the categories that we've got because spoiler alert, people in superhero movies are very attractive. Yeah. I was going to say, if I could pick any character to be in future Marvel movies, regardless of content, it would be Darcy. So I know there's not been any confirmation or any hint that she is in Thor Ragnarok, but I just feel like she will be with Taika Waititi directing. I'm sure that he went, oh, you've got a funny actress who's already in this cast. Why, why the hell not? Let's bring Darcy back, even though we haven't got Jane. So fingers crossed for that. Seb, you went on our Thor episode, so didn't, I don't think we we found out many of your thoughts about that movie. So, Kat Dennings, can you can you get behind her as well in this category? Um, I mean, I, I, she was an obvious lock for a nomination. I did I, I can't remember if I nominated her. I think I assumed oh, she I would can't. get nominated by James, but um, <laughs> she is very good. I mean, she does pretty much steal that film. I would actually be more likely to give it to her for Thor two. Than for the first one, I think she's, she's good in the first one, but she gets more of a chance to steal the second one. Maybe because there's not as much good going on around her. Um, <laughs> See, I mean, awards, I, awards, politics. Seb saying it's not her time. Her, it's time, not her time is no, her time is, <laughs> is thought too. Um, but also, I think, I mean, there's a danger of like Scarlett Johansson always getting nominated for this award because basically every year that we do these awards we're going to have covered a Marvel film in which she plays Black Widow and is therefore not a lead but is very good but more than that I think her performance in Ghost World is worth spotlighting and the reason for that I think is because particularly at the time and we probably did talk about this when we did the episode um, like she wouldn't necessarily have been the thing that people would have taken away as the standout feature of that film. I mean, you know, it's got Thora Birch, who was so hot and up and coming at the time, and everyone thought that she was going to go on to this amazing career, which actually Scarlett Johansson went and had instead. And also you've got Steve Buscemi in there. Um, And actually you look at it now, and a young Scarlett Johansson, who you might not have necessarily thought at the time was going to go on to become what she has, you can see her really holding her own in that film and making that character like a difficult character to play and to play sympathetically mm. doing it really well and you know i think we we spent a long time eulogizing over all of the acting in that film on on our podcast about it but um like i say she's she's not the headline grabber in that film but it's a really strong supporting performance because i think she anchors it do i seem to remember though as having the conversation about her not being quite at the height of her powers yet i mean she's not no i mean she you know she's not um but like you know, in in like in the Marvel films, for example, like she's never a lead, but you could pretty much imagine her as a lead. Um, mm. You know, she she is totally a leading actor and and tends to, I think, dominate quite well things that she's in. In this, she's not. In this, it's a supporting turn and it's a really strong supporting turn. I think. Mm. See, I think of her Marvel work, we haven't got to her best performances um, on the podcast yet. Winter Soldier. Yeah, no, so I'd, again, yeah I'd agree with that. <laughs> yeah. Again, I'm wondering whether this is this is a nominee for a future year. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the case for um, our other two nominees, um, Simone Missick, who is fantastic on Luke Cage, who. Um, gets a, a couple of episodes kind of her, to herself um, at, towards the back end of the series. 
and I said this on our bonus episode, I don't think she always gets the strongest material. I think <laughs> a lot a lot of the cop stuff on that show is that show's weakest aspects. There are a lot of people in Luke Cage who aren't getting the strongest material. <laughs> That's true. Um, I think we'll get to some people later on the podcast who do get better uh, on the podcast who do get better material than her, though. But mm-hmm. um, but I think she's great, and um, I I don't think anyone can get to the end of that show and not want to see Simone Missick becoming full on comic book Misty Knight. Um, oh yeah, and for sure. Coming and and or or even just coming back in the same guise in the Defenders and and future Luke Cage seasons. I think she was she was probably. Uh, certainly as someone who was around for the full series was my favourite part of the show Um, having said that she would be my second choice on this list because Tilda Swinton you guys this and and this is we we need to be specific because we did cover her in Constantine um, a couple. Oh no, weeks ago. I I I I nominated her on the basis of both. Actually, I nominated her on the okay. basis of Constantine. Yeah, and, I mean, um, I I haven't Strange. seen I haven't seen Constantine since it was in cinemas, but I also remember her being the best thing in it at a time when I didn't know who she was. So she is. I mean, she is very good in it. I just think she is in Doctor Strange is delivering one of the best performances um that i can remember in a marvel movie and i i still think the scene where she is and spoilers for doctor strange here but the scene where she is looking up kind of at the cosmos talking to doctor strange talking about the value of life coming in the prospect of death and all of that kind of stuff it was i thought a really a rare human moment in a Marvel movie that are so, you know, that are so spectacular sci-fi fun that it was just a real... That Tilda Swinton brought a gravitas to those films that I don't... That I think even big actors, you know, like Anthony Hopkins have, have never brought to a Marvel movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I, um, I... Anthony Hopkins did famously say to... Well, I think it was Chris Hemsworth when they walked on set, he, like, looked at it and said something like, no acting required here. <laughs> so I mean yeah. that that yeah. possibly suggests the level of performance he was giving. I, um, I, I think mean, that I think Marvel have hired great actors who have done really great work, like Robert Redford and people. You know these these like prestige pieces of casting. But I don't think anyone has resonated with me in quite the way that I know, yeah, for sure, did in for Doctor sure. Strange. I mean, my my only quibble is mainly that that she's almost closer to being a lead. And if and if Rachel McAdams wasn't in the film, which to be fair, and and you know nothing against <laughs> her and the quality of her performance, but it's easy to forget that she's in the film. I would almost consider Tilda Swinton to be the female lead in Doctor Strange. I think, I think she by is the technicalities of it, she is a supporting, she's still a supporting yeah. actor. Yeah, yeah, because she is she is in the film more than um, Rachel McAdams. Adams and she is a more pivotal character mm. um but yeah I, I i i don't know it's this 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 stuff about lead performance and supporting performance is always a difficult thing to we can spend far around. too long debating because it. Yeah. is is a is a character supporting just because they are or are they not a supporting character just because they are the female character with the most screen time <laughs> yeah it's 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 difficult isn't it because you know, of all, I mean, I guess if not, we'd probably struggle to ever get lead actresses in superhero yeah. movies. I mean, she so, um, the, she does have an arc, which not many of the other characters do. Okay, is that well? Is that enough for you guys to to not want to give her the, the award then? Because I think we need to decide. Well, right no, now. I'm no, I, I mean, I'm if willing, willing to, to vote, like, I'm, on the yeah. strength of her performance performances, I'm willing to defer Cat Dennings to next year. 
See, I, I thought it was going to be a, a two to one for Tilda Swinton against Cat Dennis because I, I I would vote for Tilda Swinton, and I assume right. that you are, Joe. So yeah, no, I would as well. I think yeah, I think she was a home run nomination as well. I think all of us put her down. So. Um, which is rare because we just come up with these. We come up with these nominees just on memory, so it's easy to like forget someone and be reminded and go, "Oh God, yeah, that that person as well." But no, we all remembered Tilda Swinton. So uh, first award goes to Tilda Swinton, Best Supporting Actress in 2016. Round round of applause. We move on now to you know one of those crafty kind of categories. You know something that's a little little bit more technical and cinematography. You know, a, a, <laughs> by virtue of that we're going to spend less time in this category um, best score uh, best score um, which was a category we didn't do last year but I kind of regretted not doing until afterwards um, and it also gives us the opportunity to I don't know maybe be playing a little bit of music in the background um, at some point in this podcast <laughs> it, ju- it gives um, you a chance to talk about Michael Giacchino is, is, is what you really want to do isn't it Joe? Po- possibly um, well and that uh, on that note, the first nominee in this category is Michael Giacchino's uh, Doctor Strange score. Um, we've also got Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, oh, I should have written down who did these. Um, by memory, that's, that's Alan Silvestri, Alan Silvestri isn't Silvestri. it? Yeah. We've got Batman Returns, which is we Danny Elfman. Is. <laughs> we've got Batman v Superman, which is Hans Zimmer. Uh, and then, to my shame, this is the one that I don't know by memory, The Flash. The TV um, show, The it's, Flash. Um, uh, Blake Neely. Yes, Comes up on the screen on uh, At the every, end of every single episode. <laughs> <laughs> so they are the five nominees. The others receiving votes in this category were X Men, The Amazing Spider Man, and Spider Man Two. Um, so those all just missed out. Um, James, I'll come to you first this time. Is there a- anything here that you really, really liked that you thought that is something pretty I special? Mean... I'm like the kind of charlatan who thinks movie scores are best when you don't notice them generally speaking um like i'm not the sort of person who listens to movie scores without the film on which i know a lot of people are especially like in the film blogosphere or whatever um some i, I mean occasionally if uh, if something really takes me i will go back and you know listen listen to it on the, literally the only score i've listened to on its own in probably the last decade is the mr robot score which <laughs> is like electronica and really cool um but not Right, not qualifying right for this. Uh, so, despite what I've just said, the only score that really jumped out of me where I thought, oh, this is an awesome score was Doctor Strange because it had that kind of prog influence, like very different style. Like it wasn't just generic orchestral dirge.
I, um, I would I would like to argue against it though for on based on that track on a on a sort of technicality which is um, before seeing the film and before the film came out that track was online and it was it was pushed as this is the end credit tune from Doctor Strange and it was yeah it's this mm. brilliant proggy piece that halfway through suddenly turns into the Sherlock theme I wonder if that was deliberate um, <laughs> and it's great it's a fantastic and I've listened to that quite a few times since before seeing yeah. the film and since seeing the film I was very disappointed to get to the end of the film and find that over the closing credits there was a generic there was that that tune was there but it was still a generic sounding Marvel score and it wasn't until about three quarters of the way through the actual scrolling credits that that actual like arrangement of it came up and I was really disappointed by that and I would have voted for Doctor Strange if not for that and I'm annoyed by that and that's why I'm not <laughs> voting for it also there's something else I want to vote for but that's <laughs> by the by I I do really like Giacchino um, in general and I think this is a very strong score um, I think it's the better of his two scores on the blockbusters at the back end of the year he's obviously done Rogue One as well which I think he knocked together in 20 minutes uh, <laughs> after, after they uh, sacked Alexandra Desplat um, I don't know I think there's there's a lot here I love I, I love the Captain America score. I think Captain. I think Alan Silvestri is probably the only composer in the Marvel Cinematic Universe so far who has successfully created themes for the characters. <laughs> um, Iron Man kind of gets by on his ACDC, mm. um, but Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme and his, his Avengers theme is fantastic. Yes, and that is better than this. Mm. Um, but he he also. I mean, Captain America. It's it's a it's appropriately rousing his theme for Cap, um, and I love the kitschiness of, of of all of the music there. Batman you can't Returns include has... Star Spangled Man because that's written by um, no, I can't Alan unfortunately. <laughs> um, Batman Returns, I I think it's you know it's Danny Elfman doing the thing that he did on the eighty nine Batman, but with a little bit more freedom, a little bit more a little bit more Christmassy, which is appropriate appropriate at this time of the year. Um, Hans Zimmer, um, who I, I should have mentioned, Junkie XL, who he coded the score with um, for <laughs> that movie. That's the, um, that's the technical term. He coded that score. I'm not quite <laughs> sure how they did it because I remember before the film there was the suggestion that Zimmer would be doing the Superman theme and Junkie XL doing the Batman stuff. Um, but the best bit in that score is the Wonder Woman guitar lick, isn't it? Like, that's the thing that you come out of the movie going, yeah. wow. And that's the reason I nominated it, just because I was like, oh, yeah, that that that's the one bit that you suddenly, your interest peaks a little yeah. bit during Although that confused it, it two hours of movie. It didn't really get used as much in Batman v Superman. Thinking about it, maybe I just couldn't bring myself to nominate something from the film, but if I was ever going to be positive about anything in Man of Steel, which, of course, we did cover um, this year as well, um, I do think Zimmer's main Superman theme for Man of Steel is really good. I, I do really like it. I mean, it's not John Williams, but I think he's done a he's had a decent stab at coming up with a Superman theme for those films. It didn't really get used in Batman v Superman, as you say. Like, I think I did nominate Batman v Superman, and I think it was almost entirely for that Wonder Woman moment, which even doesn't really count because that's score for Wonder Woman that just happened to be dropped into Batman v Superman. But um, it is it's. It's an instance where the music positively affects the film.
Seb, are you going to do what I think you're going to do and um, be slightly sacrilegious and make the case for the TV score in this section? Yes, because Blake Neely's theme for The Flash is possibly my favourite superhero theme since... Well, I do love Silvestri's Avengers, so maybe it's since then. But if not, then potentially going all the way back to William Superman. I love the Flash theme. It's more at the end of episodes, um, like the closing yes. credits music rather than the... The opening, I know it's still basically the same tune, but I get, to the, I, mean, I get to the end of an episode of The Flash, and sometimes I get to the end of an episode of The Flash, and let's face it, it's not necessarily been the most exciting episode of The Flash. Sometimes it has, and it's brilliant, and it's amazing. Other times it's, yeah, that was an episode of The Flash. Um, but every time I get to the, episode, to the end of an episode of The, of the Flash, I feel happy and uplifted and a little bit emotional about that theme tune and that theme tune reminds me of all the things I love about that show and it's hopeful and optimistic and superhero-y and I just absolutely love it so that is absolutely it makes me feel what a superhero theme tune should make me feel essentially and and that's why I love it I, I am inclined to agree. And James, I know you're not a Flash watcher. Um, <laughs> and it's it's a difficult argument to make because I can imagine people listening to this. Like, I know our regular guest, Amon, is big into his movie music and, is, um, and, and probably loves a number of the other scores that we've mentioned here. But, I mean, uh, The Flash, it's basically recycled the same stuff for the best part of three years now. 
Um, but it doesn't matter because what they came up with across the first three or four of those episodes is um, it's just really great superhero stuff and it underscores all the action scenes really well I mean Arrow and Supergirl I mean Supergirl's music is good but Arrow and Supergirl haven't managed to do this to the same extreme and in fact I don't think there's any superhero TV show that has as distinctive a musical feel as Mm. Flash and you're right that end credits music every week makes me want to watch the next episode it makes me yeah. just want to go. Yeah, even even if I've hated the ending of that one, it makes me want to watch the next one. Um, so it might be sacrilege, but I think that has my vote as well. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to argue against it because I, for one, I haven't seen the Flash, and for two, like I've already said, I don't care about movie scores, so I've <laughs> I've done what I can it's in nominating Doctor Strange. Award. So I I feel like I've spoken with the voice of the listeners. Excellent. So our best score award goes to The Flash. Um, moving on to our next category, um, and this is something that we do on um, we do on Cinematic Universe Awards shows that you won't see on many others. We have a best hero and best villain category, um, and just because I um, I think it's I think it's probably the more fun one. I'm going to say best villain until later on in the show, um, <laughs> and we can get to best hero to begin with. Um, so our nominees in this category are Captain America, who has uh, double eligibility through um, Captain America Civil War and Captain America the First Avenger. We have Spider-Man. Who now, also has... Well, who has who triple ha- eligibility. <laughs> if if so we, we count the Garfield version. Or does it harm his chances to include the Andrew Garfield version? We might have to, we might have to discuss which Spider-Man we're talking about here. Um but we'll, we'll get into that in a bit. Uh, we also have The Flash. Uh, Grant Gustin is The Flash. Barry Allen. We have Peggy Carter, because of course we do. And we have Wolverine from X-Men. Um, others receiving votes were, were Thor, Iron Man, Giant Man, War Machine, and Wonder Woman. Uh, which, in fairness, James, I think most of those were yours. Um, and, <laughs> and not, I think War I don't, Machine I don't think, probably was. <laughs> yeah, I don't think many of them received multiple <laughs> votes to be able to get in. And Thor was the one who just missed out. Um, he, he came the closest to making the category. Um, so, best hero, you guys. Um, I'd like to start off by talking about Captain America. Um which obviously from Captain America the First Avenger would be a very obvious choice, but because we've got Civil War in here complicating things, there was talk about whether Captain America should make the best villain category. Well, Does it's that weird harm because, his because Tony Stark is the villain in Civil War. So is he though? I don't know where that came from. Is he? Is he though? Yeah. Is he? Which, is he which, though, Seb? Which superhero <laughs> arrests and throws the other superhero in prison? <laughs> well, which superhero <laughs> breaks the law? Yeah, <laughs> all of which them. One, they all which break one, the law. They literally, literally every superhero breaks the law. So which one refuses to sign a treaty and then gallivants off around the world to save his friend who he has no evidence in support of? Um, his 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 friend who didn't commit the bombing. Which one betrays his fellow nominee Peggy Carter by copping off with her niece or whatever? <laughs> That's, that has still never forgiven for that. That's not a heroic action. A good hero or not? Um, <laughs> Look, he's, he's it's seventy years without getting any. Come on, like the thing is, right? You can't say, "Oh, like, well, his friend didn't do it because what he did was ignore the due process for uh, okay, non so... for selfish, <laughs> non heroic reasons." 
that's that's how superhero fiction always works is that you know the su- the superheroes go along because the governments and the police are always right so the superheroes yeah, are not really needed are uh, they to be fair you know, the the quality in captain in civil war that captain america is displaying is that he's being selfish like that's non-heroic. He's saying, uh, "I, I, would say I have to save my friend he's, because he's sticking to his principles, and he's not arresting his teammate. Not not signing the treaty is sticking right, to his Bucky. principles. Doing it because the issue. doing it because he's in love with his friend is selfish. What 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 should his friend have been arrested for? <laughs> for the suspicion of bombing the ambassadors. But he didn't, and if yeah, they'd spent more the time suspicion, investigating, if suspicion spent more of, time investigating the right person and not the wrong person, which was Bucky murdering, murdering Tony Stark's parents. Um, so that? you're you're saying that Bucky should be held accountable for the stuff that he did while he was brainwashed <laughs> and instructed to do things. I'm Is saying right? he should come into custody and be made to explain what happened. But he doesn't know what happened because it didn't happen to him. It well, let the brain. legal system decide. Yeah. Oh, okay. So again, so the legal system is always right. You're you're saying no, Spider Man doesn't throw villains Donald in jail. <laughs> Spider Man doesn't uh, throw villains in jail. He webs them up and gives them to the police. Sorry, which side? Which side is Spider Man on? Which side of the argument is? Do I remember a scene where Spider Man, who let's face it, James is the greatest hero and always right, <laughs> where Spider Man basically tells Tony Stark that Captain America is right? Do I remember a scene where that happens? <laughs> do you also happens. remember the scene where he's like fighting for Tony Stark alongside him? Because he's trying to get a job. You put your principles to one side <laughs> That's when you're not trying very to get heroic. a job with a big billionaire industrialist. <laughs> Seb, I'm not sure if you know about the well-worn internet argument, but as soon as you invoke Donald Trump, you automatically lose that fight. <laughs> so um, I don't think Captain America is going to be able to win this category. It's just too cloudy. It's too cloudy, Seb. I mean... I'm, I'm happy not... with Captain America not winning it so long as Iron Man also doesn't win it. Well, Iron Man did not make the list, so Good, there we go. Good, because he not because he's not <laughs> Okay, um, Spider-Man. Now we have Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, and Tobey Maguire. Um, do What did you guys mean when you nominated Spider-Man? Because I think, I think I just meant Maguire Spider-Man. And I did like Tom Holland this year, um, but... I I think it was it was Maguire I was thinking of, and I think I mean, that if you if you invoke Tom Holland as well, you have to include, you have to include yeah, Andrew I, Garfield. I, I, I would agree. I don't think you can say just Maguire and Holland because that's unfairly skewing it. In much the same way as if like Superman, for example, say he'd been in a he wasn't because we did Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, <laughs> but say say we'd done a Christopher Reeve Superman and Man of Steel, I wouldn't vote for Superman if we were considering all of his films. And similarly. With Spider-Man, you can either say that we're nominating specifically Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, or we can say all the Spider-Man that we covered. And if it's all the Spider-Man that we covered, then Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, with with no disrespect to Andrew Garfield himself, who is, you know, uh, I'm sure he's a lovely bloke and, and, and he's a good actor, but that version of Spider-Man is not the best hero in any <laughs> year. Um, so if we, if we all agree that it's Maguire alone, then I'll vote for Maguire's Spider-Man, because that's a a true and correct representation of Spider-Man, who is, as we all know, the best superhero. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the position I was coming from as well, was that I was nominating Spider-Man on the basis of Spider-Man 2, which I think is right. probably, even now, probably, like, top five superhero films of all time material. Like, I think it's that year? good. Let's find out. Even then, though, 
to be fair, it is the Spider-Man film where he voluntarily gives up being Spider-Man and lets crime happen. So, can yeah, we actually again, call like, him best hero for the year? In, in, a, in being an accurate representation of Peter Parker terms, like, he doesn't always do the right thing straight away, but he does the right thing eventually. And that <laughs> that is heroic to, you know, come to the correct conclusion eventually. Without necessarily I mean, I, like that's the thing. Like Captain America doesn't have to work to be heroic; he just innately is. Whereas Spider-Man is, has tensions to fight against, including his own nature. There is literally only one superhero that we have covered this year who literally beats the shit out. Well, not literally, but it's a metaphor. Who actually beats the shit out of Nazis? And I think in 2016, <laughs> it's important that we honour the heroes who fight Nazis. Are we talking Peggy Carter? <laughs> and while I was talking about Captain America, but actually Peggy... Well, does Peggy Carter punch any Nazis? Because Captain America does. She, she punches, punches some. She punches yeah. some Americans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, to be fair, in the year 2016, I think is something we yeah. might all want to do. You've got about well. a 50-50 chance um, of punching a Nazi if you hit an American. <laughs> That's not going to make the cut, is it? Oh, well. <laughs> in, in Britain, you've got a 52% chance. <laughs> Oh, no, guys, don't bring the real world into this. Um, let's talk about more fancy characters. Um, Barry Allen's The Flash, has he, is, is, has he got a chance, or what about Wolverine? They're, they're um, the two we haven't mentioned at all yet. I, I would, I mean, actually, I, I'm, I presume I must have nominated Barry Allen, but I think if I did so, I forgot about the fact that, because Flash we did point. cover Flash Season 2 as well, at the end yeah. of Season 2 of The Flash, he does create an entire alternate timeline and completely change people's lives out of entirely selfish motives so as much as I love him I think we do have to disqualify um, The Flash as much as I hate to say it this this is really turning into a category where there are really no heroes in 2016 what about, what about well, Wolverine? Yeah, what about Wolverine, Wolverine the bloke who stabs people with his claws <laughs> yeah but at least he's That's... up front about it yeah, I I think Wolverine is a strong contender in this category. And also, the, rate, the rate we're going, I, th- I think Deadpool might be the. He's hero the best thing. <laughs> he's the best thing in X Men Apocalypse as well. He heroically Which saves that film from being complete shit. Does he? I f- I'd forgotten he was in X Men Apocalypse when I nominated him, and now I'm wondering <laughs> just by associate. In fact, that that would be my my disqualifying factor. That creepy moment with Sophie Turner. Wow. In... Yeah. Good point. That that might ruin everything <laughs> for him. I think. See what I mean? No, no. Everyone is tainted. That is very, well, I, that is very 2016 to have all what of our taint top do five we heroes. Have on Peggy Carter. What taint do we have on Peggy Carter? I mean, so we've got her here in season two of Agent Carter, which was great. We've got her in Captain America, and she's she's uh, she's pretty fantastic in both. Yeah. It feels a little bit like her winning by default, which I think is unfair to her. But yeah, I mean, she, you know, she probably is, you know, I mean, she she is one of my favourite heroic characters in, you know, this whole set of things. And I'm just trying to think if she does anything wrong in, uh, well, the, there is, the there is, I suppose, the matter that she sort of gets slightly swayed by a bloke who turns out to be a bit of a bad guy. Um, but it doesn't really work out badly in the end. So I suppose... <laughs> Also, she's very mean to Jarvis in the desert in that one episode. Yeah. Oh, he deserved it. Did he though? (laughs) Can we have Jarvis? I'm always on Peggy's side. Uh, I I think I think this is a straight out battle after what we've said uh, between Tobey Maguire's Spider Man and Hayley Atwell's Peggy Carter. So 
I think we should just cast votes. Who do, who do you want? Uh, it's, I mean, I love Peggy Carter, but it's got to be Spider-Man, hasn't it? It's got to be. Can you do Seth, your vote, do you, Joe? Because I, I think, are you going to vote for Peggy Carter? I might do the X Factor thing, just where I force you to take it to deadlock. I, I'm yeah. I'm 50-50, but I'm willing to go Peggy Carter to make you make the decision. Yeah, I thought that might be the case. Um, Spider-Man. Okay, so Spider-Man is this year's best hero. I can't remember he whether he... last year as well? He, he might have won it last year. Spider, I, mean, <laughs> I think he did. That would be very predictable. Tell me why Spider-Man is the hero that we we pretty much always need. Um, let's go to something very current now, which is best new film. So we had five superhero movies released since... Wait, no, I was expecting six nominees. What's happened here? Captain America Civil War, we got Doctor Strange, we got Suicide Squad, we got Deadpool, we got Gambit. No, we don't have Gambit, we've got Batman v Superman. <laughs> Gambit was not released in 2016, you guys. Um, I so, am shocked uh, that Gambit was not released in 2016. Gambit were not 20... really released in 2017 or 2018 or 2019 or 2020. My money's on 2018. 2018, that's when we're going to get it. Either that or he'll just turn up in an X Force movie with. Uh, you can Ryan just give me the five and now, as far as I'm concerned. Do we think that Channing Tatum is turning up in any form? Or no. just that he doesn't get the sync? You don't think Channing Tatum stars no. as Gambit at any point? No chance. Even in an X-Men no. movie? No. Nope. Alright, okay. Bold, bold calls. I still think we see him turn up in something, but we'll. But not in 2017, that's for sure. Um, okay, so those were the nominees for Best New Film, though. Um, so they were basically just all of the new films that were released because... I think we can all agree that Suicide Squad is not a contender. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fair. Um, I would very strongly argue that Batman v Superman should not be a contender either. I certainly don't think it should be a contender, but... It's bad, I mean, bad film, Seb. Really it, bad film. It's not as bad as... <clears throat> it's a bad film, it's a... but it's more fun than X-Men Apocalypse, which is also a bad film. Yeah, I don't even know whether I read that one out. <laughs> I think, I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were three that were any good at all, and even then, like to varying levels depending on who you are and, and what you think. But like there is there is no obvious standout. Uh, I mean, there is for me, but I I know that's not true of everybody. So okay, so uh, so basically, our contenders are the two Marvel Cinematic Universe films: Doctor Strange and Captain America: Civil War. And then the Fox movie, uh, also based on a Marvel character, Deadpool. Um, Which I, I, I will just, because I wasn't on the Deadpool podcast because I hadn't seen it at the time, and I have now finally seen Deadpool, I thought, while I still haven't seen Suicide Squad and X-Men Apocalypse, um, sorry, but, you know, I've only got so many hours to not watch really shit things, um, I thought I should have at least watched Deadpool by the time we got to these awards, so I have, and my view is that I quite liked it. That's yeah. my official view on Deadpool. I quite liked <laughs> I f- didn't it's, love it's... it, but quite liked it. Loved moments of it. Yeah. The thing, the thing about Deadpool is you can imagine, like, watching it, you can imagine the audience that would like it and think this is well made for those people, which I'm not sure I, is I mean, true of most other films. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was funny. I didn't think it was always funny, but I think, as mm. I said back in that podcast, it peppers so many gags at you that even if you don't find five in a row funny, there will be a sixth one coming around just around the corner that you'll think, huh, that was good. 
And I'm not sure I found it laugh out loud funny, but I was consistently entertained by it, and I think it's perfectly fine. So I think I, I, have... I would say it had two laugh. For me, it had two laugh out loud gags, which is more than a lot of these films do. Which is the 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 dead bloke falling off the sign, <laughs> and um, the Hugh Jackman mask. Um, they, I thought those were both genuinely brilliant gags. One just a ridiculous piece of physical comedy, and one. I just it was just blindsided by it. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> I liked the ti- I mean, to, just to just to beeline to the smutty moments. I liked the tiny hand. I liked the moment where Gina Carano's boob fell out. Um, I thought there was. I just, yeah. I thought all of the kind of the the violence of the first act of that big. Um, highway sequence was was funny and well executed and it, and it does have we, we we don't have a category for um best credit sequence although i mean we probably should have started that the year that we did Watchmen. but um like that opening title sequence is brilliant i mean it's it's almost a bit too knowingly look at us look what we're doing but it is really good <laughs> I can imagine there being podcasts out there or other people getting together and having a chat about the movies that released this year and saying Deadpool is a no-brainer, the best one of the year. But I just think the the collection of personalities we've got here, I think it was enough for us all to be entertained, enough for us to all want a sequel, but probably sits below the MCU movies. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think so. It's a, it's a very solid third place. Um, mm. And I think I, you know, I, I do think this is going to come down to those two. And I have a feeling that um, I know which one's going to win, but I don't think it's the one that I'm going to vote. For. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I find it hard to pick between these two because they're both really, great, but in very different ways. Oh, okay. I again I'm... thought that I knew which one was going to win, but it wasn't going to be the one that I voted for. So <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, this is interesting. This this might come down to you, James. Um, I am. I, I mean, I I maintain Doctor Strange is one of the probably three or four best MCU movies and that Captain America Civil War is perfectly fine. There's lots of interesting stuff going on in there. Um, I still don't think it's a Captain America movie. I think it's an Avengers movie and um, I don't think the Russos are as interesting, as ambitious um, filmmakers and the way that they shoot action, which is crucial for big movies like this i don't think they're that great i think they're the safe pair of hands for marvel whereas scott derrickson came in and did something really really interesting with doctor strange uh he made a movie that had themes and had ideas and had great supporting performances and i don't think it has the like the the fan service kind of fun little oh great there's spider-man and oh look at these characters putting together and fighting like captain america civil war is the movie that you know um i would make if you give me a bunch of like action figures and throw them at each other whereas i think doctor strange is the movie that i would be incapable of making because it's it's too good yeah see so. <laughs> i i kind of agree with you in most ways that you've said with the exception that i think Doctor Strange's script is maybe a bit crappy at times, uh, but mm. I do think, like, we're a superhero movie podcast, and if, like, getting a bunch of action figures and mashing them together is kind of like the joy of superheroes. <laughs> do it, certainly, it's the joy doing of superhero well, Yeah, doing to, that yeah, well. To do that well with movie should do. <laughs> like to do that with ideas and you know themes and characters. And that many characters not have it come out a complete mess. I think, mm. like, 
it's the kind of prime example of what people going to see superhero films want to see. I, and I, I don't. Think, sorry, I just bef- before you jump in, Seb, I don't want to sound <laughs> too down on Civil War because um, I I know that that has been the impression that maybe all of us, but particularly I have given in the past. I really like Civil War and I admire a lot of the stuff that they do. I think they nailed the Tony um, and uh, Steve relationship. They the fact that we can come out of this movie arguing about who was right and who was wrong is a testament to the movie, um, and. Um, I think it does. Uh, yeah, I think it, I think it, it. It's just slightly not quite there in terms of the uh, the complexity of the argument that the two sets of people are having in the film. Um, but I still do like it an awful, awful lot. And I think I think I might even be arguing for it if it was called Avengers Three rather than Captain <laughs> America Three. If it was called Avengers Civil War rather than Captain America Civil War. Um, it didn't work for me as a cap- as a as a capper to that Captain America trilogy. See, it, it did for me, and I think that's. I mean, we probably did. It's been a while, but we probably did talk about that on our our podcast about it. But it, it I think it worked better for me as a continuation of the Cap story than it did for other for some other people, and that's probably because I mean from the argument we've just had like I, I felt more on Cap's side I felt the story was from Cap's perspective and that the argument was from Cap's perspective not from Stark's um, I mean as far as like the, the choice between Doctor Strange and Civil War goes um, I don't disagree with a lot of what you've said about Doctor Strange uh, over Civil War I kind of see it as a um, a head versus heart argument um, I think the head would probably just about go with Doctor Strange and I think what can't be underestimated with Doctor Strange is the surprise factor in that I really did not expect a lot from it <laughs> and to, I mean I, I saw it after quite a few people because I did just see it normally on general release a little bit after it had come out and even when people had started to say oh actually this is really good I still had such low expectations of it from the trailers and the publicity and everything so to have come out even enjoying it as a really solid, enjoyable four-star film, was totally not what I expected from it. So, you know, it does have that in its favour as well. Um, but with Civil War, um, I mean, the, the main thing I would compare is which of them I really wanted to watch again as soon as I left the cinema. Um, yeah. And there's no contest on that front. And then I found on Civil War that with a rewatch, I liked it even more the second time. And actually where I'd probably been more critical when we talked about Civil War... Um, I didn't feel that as much um, after rewatching it. I just, as I say, like if you if you look at it as like head versus heart, like from the heart, I cared about that film so much. There's like there's two or three distinct scenes and moments and elements that just really emotionally engage me about that. Whether it's doing a note perfect version of Peter Parker and just having that ten minutes of just unadulterated joy, <laughs> or whether it's that final scene with Cap and Tony where you are just please stop fighting please don't yeah. fight anymore <laughs> and like you know superhero movies are usually about fighting like you know that is what the superhero genre is about essentially it's about people punching each other usually you want the you know everything builds towards two people or two sets of people punching each other and for civil war to put you in a situation where you've got that and you've got this confrontation that's what everyone wanted to see and it's this arresting iconic image of the two of them and you actually come out of it just going no please don't do this um yeah. just shows how strongly that film managed to emotionally engage me. and i think it did so 
not just as the next chapter in the Avengers films, but as the next chapter in the Cap and Winter Soldier and Cap and Tony and everything story. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, it I, I know it has its faults and is not a perfect film. It, it's not an Avengers one, but um, or a Winter Soldier even, but um, it did achieve pretty much everything that I would have wanted it to achieve. So, it definitely gets my vote. Yeah, and I I find it difficult, especially talking it through with you guys now, to feel too strongly against it as the winner. I think it I think what it comes down to is walking into you know it is expectations I think for me that I walked into Doctor Strange expecting absolutely nothing, and came out wowed by the artistry of the film and um, really loving the way that the script was constructed and. Uh, being excited to see more that was going to come in the Doctor Strange, you know, in the Doctor Strange franchise. Um, Captain America Civil War, I walked into already invested in a bunch of these other characters. And like I said, making the huge mistake of watching the first Avenger and the Winter Soldier back to back before I watched them, before I watched it. And it wasn't, it wasn't the film I wanted it to be. Um, right at that moment. Um, I also went back and rewatched it because I thought, have I been unfair on this movie? And I liked it a lot more on the second viewing. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I think with me, a lot of it might come down to expectations and a lot, a lot of it might come down to what I'm willing to give the film's credit for because I think so much of why I'm invested in Tony and Steve fighting at the end of that movie is because of the Captain America movies, the Iron Man movies, the Avengers movies. Um, and um, whereas Doctor Strange has had to give me all of this stuff in the preceding 90 minutes. Um, so I think maybe I'm more impressed with Doctor Strange as an achievement this year. But yeah, I find it difficult to argue that Captain America isn't maybe the more satisfying and fulfilling film at, at this point. So if that if that is the one that you guys want to vote for, I'm not <laughs> going to stand in the way, basically. Yeah, I mean, for me, it comes down to, I think, there's enough things that Doctor Strange doesn't do quite well enough that there was a better film there. Whereas the stuff that isn't good in Civil War is really small and nitpicky. Like, it's things like, oh, you know, they they fell out, but at the end there's a, like, fake reconciliation, so there's no investment there. Like, okay, criticise it. But compared to the, like glaring jokier sides of Doctor Strange or Cumberbatch's lack of presence in the role and it's kind of like there was a better film to be made out of Doctor Strange even though the one we got was really good whereas yeah. Civil War like a couple of trims and it would have been perfect so, so are we saying Civil War best new film in 2016 yeah it's not a clear win but it's I think on balance it has to be Civil War yeah. Great, so Captain America Civil War is the best new film of 2016 and um, yeah, I think we should make it clear that there were, between the three of us three of these films on this list that we all liked to some extent and then uh, two I think that we maybe all disliked and then one that none of Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. That maybe we disagree on a little bit. And uh, maybe we'll discuss Batman v Superman in some other categories <laughs> later in the podcast. I think it's probably, it's right around the fringes of a lot of our categories because... Because I hate it so much more than you guys. <laughs> but it is the better of the two DC films this year. Um, there's there's no doubt about that. Um, let's move on to... Um, let's do one of our... Let's do another one of our big acting categories. Let's do Best Supporting Actor. Um, again, lots lots of names were thrown around here. So before I read out the actual final nominees, I'll, I'll throw out some that didn't quite make the list. Um, Chadwick Boseman, Idris Elba, Daniel Brühl, Tom Holland. Gah. Real, real MCU thing going on here. Not, not quite making the list. Uh, one I was very upset about: Marshal Ali uh, from Luke Cage, who was the person earlier that I was talking about in Luke Cage being, I think, the <laughs> absolute best thing in that TV show. Didn't quite make the list. Tom Kavanagh from uh, The Flash oh. didn't quite make the list. <laughs> Again, very upset about and Benedict Wong uh, from Doctor Strange. Oh, wh- how? How? <laughs> wow. Well, we had a lot. We had a lot that we all agreed on very early on that was straight into the list. So there was yeah, okay. there was real scrapping for the final positions. Uh, I so, thought Benedict Wong was going to get in when I hadn't nominated him first time around, and then I nominated him in the second round of people you hadn't previously voted for. But he didn't. You'd both voted for him. He didn't get my vote. Um, uh, who did make it in though? Steve Buscemi for Ghost World, Stanley Tucci for Captain America: The First Avenger, J.K. Simmons for Spider-Man Two. Um, I believe the uh, reigning champion in this category after uh, yeah. Spider-Man last year, uh, James Darcy from Agent Carter season Ooh. two, and Alf- and Alfred Molina from Spider-Man Two. So we've got two Spider-Man Two nominees, um, and then yeah, Buscemi, James Darcy, and Stanley Tucci. Um, does it, does anyone first of all want to just say a little word for some of the names that didn't make it there? Because Tom Kavanagh in the first season of The Flash is. Oh, I, I said this on our podcast when we did the Flash season one. When he says "Run, Barry, Run," my spine tingles. <laughs> it's great. Tom Kavanagh in both series because in season one you've got him being the ambiguous and then eventually actually baddie. I actually like him more in season two because I love that. Like Earth two Harrison Wells is my favourite character in the Flash, and I love his relationship with Cisco. And like <laughs> Tom Kavanagh just has so much fun in that program, and it's like I'm a 
I'm a few episodes behind UK pace at the moment, but we've I've had a couple of episodes of HR Wells at the moment, and that is just like Tom Kavanagh is just having a ridiculous amount of fun with He's that He's basically playing um, JD's brother from Scrubs, but in the Flash <laughs> right now, which is great. I love Tom Kavanagh. I was I was I thought it was a shame he didn't make it. And like I said, Marshal Ali, who mm. might be in the running for an actual Oscar, an award that he would actually be concerned <laughs> about winning this year. Um, to be fair, he so, was he was was just cut out of my nominations he was like number six on my list he was on my list of a bullet i think he he was my favorite thing about luke cage um and he was the thing that kept me watching through the first half of the season mm-hmm. um, so yeah uh I th- and i think probably it maybe didn't help his chances Seb, that you haven't seen luke cage so yeah sorry wasn't, <laughs> that wasn't, wasn't gonna receive the nomination from your end um, um, was I the only person who nominated Daniel Brühl? Because I love Daniel Brühl and I thought he was great in Civil War, and I'm, I'm disappointed that I'm not sure I would have voted for him in in the final round for reasons that will become apparent. But I I really thought he deserved a nomination. Ch- Chadwick Boseman, I- though. Like if I was going to nominate anyone, and I did from Civil War, it was <laughs> Chadwick Boseman because he was just like stunning as this fully formed character playing a superhero who, let's face it, is tedious. <laughs> and he brought him yeah. to life in a kind of instant way. It's, it's like, he actually made you want to watch a Black Yeah, Hunter it's one movie. of those performances that change your opinion and will presumably change the depiction of the character because it's just so instantly complete. Like, it, it's up there with Tony, Tony Stark slash Robert Downey Jr. for me. I wouldn't go quite that far, but you make a good argument. Mm. <laughs> and I think, you can, I think you can make a similar argument for Tom Holland... <laughs> Who also uh, also just missed out? I think for me it was just uh, none of none of those ones made my list. Just there wasn't like compared to the ones who did in 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 their place for me, who were Marshall Ali and Tom Cavanagh. There's just so much more to go on with those two, and I I'd, I'd enjoyed those for a longer period of time. I, w- I would say I thought, the main thing for me is that Chadwick Boseman didn't maybe have the material to. Yes. Yeah. Like he the performance was great, but other people on our list had better stuff to do in the things they were in. Hmm. Um there's another one you haven't mentioned among the names that didn't quite make it, which is um I think a few people would be surprised that Tom Hiddleston's not in here. Tom Hiddleston has committed category fraud and will be found in a different category. <laughs> so we will we will get to him later on um let's talk about the ones who did make the list um i mean this is a strong let's say this is i mean i think we said this last year as well but is this the strongest category like is there something about superhero movies that the best performances tend to be in male supporting roles well it says something female roles there are a lot of something about these categories that yes there are a lot of men in supporting roles in superhero movies. Um, we we had some great people in the supporting actress category, but the 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 range for us to choose from in supporting actor is so much bigger. And again, that speaks to the diversity of these movies. Just to bang that drum once one more time, um, I think it's changing a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's uh, that that is, it's a slight indictment on the on. On the superhero movies we're talking about. Um, although, I'm going to start this off straight away, guys. For me, this is a clear decision. This is not an award that will go to someone in a superhero movie if I have anything to do with it. Steve <laughs> Buscemi is an actor I love. 
Um, I adore Steve Buscemi when he turns up in most things. Like, he can even make my interest peaked in an Adam Sandler movie, um, which he, he, he does with some confusing regularity. Um, but I think this might be my favourite Steve Buscemi performance full stop in Ghost World. Um, it's it's a character that feels very real. It's a character that's truly heartbreaking. It's a character who you're rooting for, but also see all his flaws bubbling underneath the surface in in every scene. And um, I I think Steve Buscemi is fantastic here. And as much as I love, I mean, probably my other favorite in this category is Stanley Tucci in Captain America: The First Avenger. Um, there's no comparison as far as I'm concerned. So I'm willing to let you guys try and talk me out of Steve Buscemi, who is just the best. I, I will just say, I mean, I, I, he is phenomenal and it is like probably the most archetypal Steve Buscemi performance. Oh, for sure, yeah. I think my favourite is still probably Fargo. I, I really think... Um, it's up there. Like, yeah, I think I think Fargo just edges Ghost World. Um, I think... There are, there are kind of two reasons why he wouldn't automatically... I wouldn't be unhappy to see him win this, I think is is an entirely valid winner. Um, firstly, I, th- I feel like every time Ghost World comes up, I'm going to argue for, for Ghost World to win in its relevant category. Um, and secondly, Alfred Molina, because, you know, okay... <laughs> We we are a podcast that covers comic book movies, not just superhero movies. Equally, we are a podcast that very strongly skews towards superhero movies. Um, in Spider Man Two, I you know I said this when we did Spider Man Two as a full episode, but Doctor Octopus is the greatest villain in comic books, with the possible exception of Lex Luthor. But let's not get into that again. <laughs> um, and Alfred Molina is an absolutely perfect version of Dr. Octopus um, it, it, it's the best performance by a villain actor of the best villain in any of these films so I really can't look past the impact that he has on that film and how utterly utterly perfect he is in that role and in that performance. So you would you would go Molina above Buscemi? I would go Molina but I would happily vote for Buscemi in a tie break <laughs> <laughs> James, what what are your thoughts here? Um, or, or do you want to do you want to mention the ones? I mean, because J.K. Simmons won this at a cancel last year and isn't really getting a look in. Is that fair? I mean, he's arguably better in in two than he is in one, but I just feel like we can't give it to him again. I was going to say, I and think, the comp- and the competition's stronger. Do you you don't walk away from Spider Man two thinking about J.K. Simmons? You think you walk away from it remembering Doctor Octopus? I think. I don't know. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> But at the same time, like Doctor Octopus has an actual arc in in that movie, whereas J.K. Simmons is just there to throw out one-liners, which he does stunningly. That's not performance, though. That's you know that's strength of character. Well, yeah. no, that... but it is it is performance as well. Like well, a lot you... of those one-liners work because it's J.K. Simmons doing. <laughs> no, that's 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 what I'm saying. I don't think you can give Molina the credit just because his character has a better arc. I think you've just got to judge the actor based on what they do. So, mm. but I, I mean, I would st- I would still say Molina over Simmons personally. But I would say Buscemi over all of them. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is really tough, especially because like I have a massive like thing for James Darcy, and he's never going to get talked spoken about again. Like, I, Could, yeah, can he, we give James Darcy some kinds of honorary award? Like, I think in in Agent Carter season two, especially, like the double act of him and Hayley Atwell is 
so brilliant, like consistently perfect. And, and like, also, he, not only he, is it he funny, gets the emotional stuff. Yeah, he exactly. gets the tragedy in yeah. that season. Like, not only is it funny, but it's like emotionally affecting in ways that most superhero films don't even try to be. I'll, I'll be honest, the, the the emotional stuff I didn't enjoy quite as much in Age yeah, of Season 2. That was yeah. a... Uh, especially, especially the events around that. I mean, I loved the showdown with Peggy in the desert. Um, some of the other bits, not so much. I, I, yeah, he does deserve credit though. Fantastic physical comedy in that season, and something, <laughs> something completely different to what we what we see from even the humor in the in the MCU films. Um, there's there's nothing quite like what he's doing in that series. And, uh, yeah, um, and like one thing I was going to say is that the character of Jarvis is basically stands alone in terms of superhero like the superhero genre because he as a character is like he's essentially in what would normally be the female role of being the kind of slightly clueless have a go hero without the without the strength and strength of character necessarily like he's the he's the kind of slightly wet one who would normally be being saved by the male hero Mm. He's also built that character from the ground up in that, you know, like that that Jarvis. Okay, there is a character called Jarvis in the comics, but it's not that character. Mm-hmm. That character only exists in James Darcy's version. So anything positive about that character is down to the writing and performance in that one show. Yeah. Like, whereas um, Alfred Molina and J.K. Simmons and, you know, going further, Robert Downey Jr. and so on are playing perfect versions of a character that like they're they're perfect interpretations of a character that already exists and it's well both make a compelling case for for being worthy of praise because which is more difficult you know to to be a perfect representation of a character that we have preconceptions about or to perfectly inhabit a character that we knew nothing about and didn't care about beforehand to be no. fair though Jarvis isn't the most complex character he's a posh Pompous, no, but bumbling like, butler. But the he's point good, is, I would good. not have it's said good, going I'm, into Agent wanna... Carter that I would that he would come out as being one of my favourite characters in this entire universe and setup. No, I wouldn't, is. especially because the thing that I knew him for beforehand was Madonna's film W.E. Which, uh, <laughs> oh. Well, funnily enough, literally just before I came up to record this, um, there was an old episode of I think it was a Marple or a Poirot on like, <laughs> ITV3, and he was in that. Uh, yeah. bizarrely I mean the thing I would say is like as good as he is like he's not on the level of Steve Buscemi like he's just they're in different leagues to be honest if 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 James isn't going to veer towards Alfred Molina but but I think we can all agree more on on Steve Buscemi I I think this is probably Steve Buscemi's award I don't think you can underestimate just how utterly compelling and brilliant that performance in that film yeah i mean with alfred molina i can sort of the thing that puts me off calling him for this award is that i can if i think i can imagine other people doing dr octopus differently and as well Mm. and that sort of makes me think well he's good but he's not great in it so that you know that makes me think give it to buscemi instead Okay, so I think I think we're in agreement. Best supporting actor this year, Steve Buscemi for Ghost World. Um, very well deserved. Um, 
we move on to another one of our more technical categories, and again, we're going to be we're going to be diving down into some semantics here because this is the best costume category. <laughs> um, so this is this isn't necessarily for costumes all the way through a film. This is for specific costumes, uh, which last year this conversation got bogged down in James explaining it to us the difference between all the different marks of the Iron Man suit in a, across Iron Man one and two. <laughs> Uh, I, I can no longer do that because of Iron Man 3 it makes it yes. virtually impossible it'll be fun when we get to that one um, but so the nominees here are Deadpool uh, Doctor Strange we've got Captain America and this is where we're going to be doing a bit of fighting because there is uh, the first <laughs> Avenger costume and the Civil War costume we've got Thor um, and then we've got Spider-Man which again some fighting Spider-Man 2 versus the Civil War costume, no one will be arguing for the Amazing Spider-Man costume. Um, (laughs) The others receiving votes in this category, um, there was Iron Man, I don't know which mark, presumably the one that he wears in Civil War. Um, We had the Baffleck Batman, which also just missed out. Um, I'm surprised that missed out. uh, I didn't nominate it at any point because... It's the uh, best screen Batman that's ever been. I I didn't didn't care for it. Um... Uh, Catwoman, uh, which was the one that I was uh, lobbying for from Batman Returns. Uh, Wonder Woman, also from Batman v Superman. And uh, The Mask, which was also very close to making the list. Jim Carrey's costume from The Mask, um, (laughs) which I would have given him the award just for that latex mask that he wears in his face alone, let alone the yellow suit and whatnot. So I think that's probably the one that I'm... Yes, and I was an absurd thief. That's the one. I think Catwoman and the Mask were the two that I would have really liked to see make the list here. Um, I take it, James, from what you just said, Batman is the one that you're. you're, you're I mean, I'm surprised it didn't make the list because I think it's so far beyond every other Batman costume that's ever been done on screen. Like, I don't know what Seb thinks because he's probably the authority on that. But um, I think. I mean, I can't remember if I voted for it. Um, you definitely it is... didn't in the first round. There was a lot of ties in this category. I think it. <sighs> I think the problem with it is that the mask still looks really silly. Um, <laughs> in terms of, uh, you know, it is, it's a fairly decent representation of the Dark Knight Returns Batman costume, but um, I still don't think there has been a screen Batman costume that is the Batman costume I would like to see on screen. Um, and I this still was a bit too... You know, it's they're like the texture of it and stuff. It's too much like the Superman costume, and it's just a bit. Um, I thought it was the the only one that looks like kind of cloth, whereas all the others have been like rubber no, and leather and lo- Kevlar. No, and so it looks it still looks artificial, and it's yeah, you it guys. I'll I so on on the amazing honeymoon of all time. Uh, <laughs> I went to uh, Universal's. No, yeah, no, this was on the. No, it was on the Warner Brothers Studios tour. Of course it was. Uh, it's just confusing because like Harry Potter Land is at Universal Studios. Um, but on the Universal Studios, on the Warner Brothers Studios tour, there was a um, there was a, a DC movies exhibition and they had, um, you know, copies of all the costumes there. And yeah, Batman and Superman's costume, the main bulk of it is made from the same kind of like latexy kind of material. And mm. the, stuff that, the stuff that has more texture to it is stuff like... Um, 
Superman's cape and um, Batman's cowl and Wonder Woman's skirt and stuff like that. As I said on the podcast before, I got told off for touching them. <laughs> and I wanted, to, I wanted to see what they were. I wanted to see what they were made out of. And yeah, it's kind of like the Batman and Superman costumes are kind of you know like a little bit um, latexy, kind of like they spring back into position and cling cling to the to the bulging muscles of uh, Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. <laughs> There was a there was a Batman fan film, and James might know what I'm talking about. There was a Batman fan film, and it was in I've, I've looked it up, and it was in 2003 called Batman Dead End, <laughs> yeah, and it I was remember. by a guy called Sandy Colora, who was like I think he himself was like a costume and effects guy, um, and he did like a Batman and Superman and Joker fan film, and like it's a bit crappy because it's a fan film, but it does have very good production values, and it has a Batman costume that is. It's like it's a grey body stocking with the black bat on the chest and a black mask and cape and gloves. And the mask actually looks like Batman's mask and is the right proportions with the ears. And it's just, okay, it looks a bit cartoonish because it's doing a Batman costume, but it is basically, it's a Batman costume as a Batman costume should look on film. And I still don't understand why they still, and okay, they've got a bit closer by doing it with, because I, I always think the Batman costume is better when it's a grey and black costume with the black bat on it. I think the, the my problem with the Batman v Superman one is that it's got the ridiculous, massive Frank Miller style bat that doesn't really look like a bat symbol on the chest. And it's like, they've obviously done it because it's to look like the Frank Miller one. But when Frank Miller draws, Frank Miller can't really draw the bat symbol or the superman symbol but he draws them in a stylized way that makes you go oh that's a frank miller drawing so you go with the fact that it's stylized but if you translate that to film it doesn't really work like i don't think anyone in in the world that batman exists in would look at batman and say oh he's got a picture of a bat on his chest he's got a big massive splodge with a couple of pointy bits it's not a bat symbol and so that's probably my biggest problem. With it. <laughs> so this is why I can't we're believe not I got so passionate that. about the bat symbol. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't um, get so all of this out on the ori- on the original podcast, obviously. So that's why. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's why it didn't make the final list, James. There you go. You've yeah, had it that's why to. I didn't vote for it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Let's let's get this out of the way first. Um, the ones in the category, the nominees that we've got multiple costumes for. Do we want to go Spider-Man Two Spider-Man costume or Civil War Spider-Man costume? For me, it has to be Spider-Man 2, because... Likewise. I, I wouldn't have yeah. voted for the Civil War. Like, the Civil War costume Spider-Man. is good, but it's still got a few bits. Like, again, I feel like they've added some stuff to it just to make it different from the They've added those version. black, strappy bits that just don't seem to make any sense. I do think yeah, the mask... Yeah, and it's got the, the web shooters outside... The it's the got best. the web shooters outside of his uh, gloves mm. as well. Yeah. This is but definitely the, the category where I sit back and just like yeah, and also narrow, I, I narrowing the, eyes. I look at I them, like that. I look at the costumes thing. and like I, I see these costumes and I'm like, that looks good. I like that. Like I, <laughs> um, I really like the Captain America First Avenger costume. But you guys spot the differences from films <laughs> to films and from one film to the next film, and you know what is kind of accurate to a certain thing in the comics or accurate <laughs> to a certain era. Or, like, um, why a certain thing should look a certain way rather than just, I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, that's Batman. Like, I, I I'm mean, aware that Christian Bale's Batsuit changed throughout three, Batman, three Batman, throughout three Batman films, but you would have to point out to me where, <laughs> because I, uh, unless you actually put them side by side, 
I'm not going to notice. I mean, I can <laughs> specifically say as well, Spider-Man 2 is the best Spider-Man costume that they've ever done. Because uh, I disagree. Yeah, I was the, gonna um, say. the change they made was that they changed his eyes from being mirrored to being white. No, no. See, you, you, you've misremembered. Have I? The best, yeah. The best Spider-Man costume is in the worst Spider-Man film. It's the Amazing Spider-Man Two that changes the costume to be the Sam Raimi version, but with the eyes done properly. Yeah. It, it, it's the Amazing Spider-Man Two that has the the white eyes, and it's the proper Spider-Man eyes. Um, the 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 Spider-Man Two costume is pretty much identical to the Spider-Man One costume. I oh, know, yeah, are slightly tweaked. Is all the but. the eyes in the second one are definitely less mirrored than they are in the first. They're not all a white. bit less, but I still the, think the Amazing Spider-Man Two does it better. Basically, the poster <laughs> for Spider-Man Two is literally Spider-Man holding Mary Jane with Doc Ock reflected in his yellowy mm. eyes. Yeah. I do. Lo- I I love that costume. I think so. I'm. I mean, I'm not going to lobby hard here, but my favourites in this category. Um, I thought Doctor Strange looks pretty much perfect from the first moment we saw that costume in. Um, I think probably the Entertainment Weekly uh, stills that were released. Um, I think. The See, it's really weird. I'm massively. Movie, I I'm massively like disagree it. with that because I think the Doctor Strange costume looks too self-consciously like he's wearing a wizard costume. Like, as opposed to anything, like, ceremonial or practical. It's just like, well, here's the comic stuff that we've translated for no sane reason. I don't think in the the movie I ever questioned it, so it looks good and I didn't question it, so that's fine as far as I'm concerned. Um, And the the, the other one... Sorry, I was just going to say, I was just looking at the Amazing Spider-Man costume and realising how much I hate it and how badly (laughs) wrong it gets. (laughs) Um. That did not trouble these categories. Um, And yeah, the other one that I really like is the Captain America First Avenger costume, and that's the second dispute we need to decide. (laughs) Is it the Captain America First Avenger costume or is it the Captain America Civil War costume? Well, we we had a, a detailed discussion about the costumes on on that very recent episode, but clearly the first Avenger one is much better than the Civil War one. James, I mean, I think I fall a bit more towards the the Civil War side because, like, the first Avenger costume, like, it's fine, but it doesn't. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Are we talking in Civil War when he's walking around in his T-shirt and his nondescript baseball cap on? Which, if you're in a Captain America film now, you get one of those just for starring. It's just a plain baseball cap that has no design in it whatsoever, and you will be required to wear it at some point during the movie. I mean, I think I think the problem is the mask on the first Avenger one doesn't work as well as the mask in the Civil War one. Whereas... I think it works in context of, of the setting, though. Oh, sure, yeah, but... I mean, what's the best? What is the best? It's, it's tough stuff. Um, so, sorry, so was, I think, I'm not sure if I caught this at the start, is is Deadpool in this category or not? Did it not quite yes, make Dead, it? No, Dead, Deadpool, Doctor Strange, Captain America, Thor and Spider-Man. So we've got at least two capes in there. Because I, I think there's a good case to be made for Deadpool. I was in about to say, I agree. terms of nailing a, a comics-accurate costume. Also, what's impressive about the Deadpool costume that they've never quite managed with Spider-Man, although it looks like they are with Civil War and Homecoming, is letting the actor act underneath it by having the eyes move, which they do in Deadpool, and it, those, and it those works. Those white dead eyes. 
I no, mean, but, they, but, but the they're animated The reason it works in Deadpool times. is because, yeah, um, like, the character is more cartoonish, though. Like, I'm, I, yeah. I'm not sure it works as well for Spider-Man. Mm. Like, I, but I, I think like it as a The face is thing, CG but... animated, isn't it? Under, under yeah. the costume, this, the, the mask of the face is CG animated, mm. so he can emote in the mask. And I'm, I'm perfectly fine with including that as part of the costume because that's something they built into the design. Yeah. Same thing as when he wore the Green Lantern costume and that was all CG animated. It was still the costume, mm. even if it, it wasn't all physical. But it's like like that costume is an absolutely... I mean, I'm not the biggest Deadpool fan, so there might be slight deviations, but as far as I'm concerned, that is a 100% accurate yeah, representation I mean, of I'm, what Deadpool looks like in the comics, even more so than the Sam Raimi Spider-Man costume. I do sort of think quibbling over Captain America costumes is maybe splitting hairs when Deadpool is so like perfect in basically every way that it needs to be. Like, I don't think... I can in good conscience vote for either Captain America over the Deadpool costume as much as I don't, you know, love the film or the the character. Like, you can't deny he's come straight off the page. Mm. And also, it is, in, in its original form, it's a good design because Rob Liefeld basically went, oh, Deathstroke the Terminator is good and Spider-Man is good. <laughs> yeah. Let's combine the two of them. And, and it is quite good. It's a good costume. So I still remember on the podcast when like the first still was released. And I think this, for me, when, when a character looks just like they do on the page, I'm like, yeah, fine, they, they look like they did a good job there. And when they don't look like they look on the page, I'm like, yeah, I mean, it, it looks good, even though it's not... I mean, I probably didn't know whether it looked like that in the comics anyway. Um, but I remember you two straight away just being like, yeah, that is... that's dead on. Like, there's never been a costume that is that, like, comics accurate. Um, and so, is I mean, is is that important? Or, or, or I mean, is it important? is it important for certain characters more than others? Because, I, I mean, the, James uh, just the, made the opposite argument for Doctor Strange I mean there's a balance because there are some costumes that wouldn't work if you translated them directly <laughs> and Strangers. there are others yeah, and there are others that are so perfect like there's no good reason to change Superman's costume and there's no good reason to change Spider-Man's costume because they're such simple designs that they work perfectly whereas you wouldn't do Cyclops's early nineties costume, <laughs> wouldn't you? you? Know? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Well, maybe you? they should. Yeah, maybe they should. Um, so, yeah, sometimes a great movie costume is worn. That, and actually, I, I would. I mean, Thor. We haven't talked about Thor. Is a good example of doing it exactly as it is on the comics page would look appalling. So it takes the basic theme of it mm-hmm. and it makes it something that that works and and feels right while still feeling like the original. I'd say Iron Man's a good example as well because like the way Iron Man was drawn on the page up until the movie started to happen would never have looked well no because um Extremis was before like Extremis I think is the first Iron Man. I was going to say it was when it was when AD Granov started doing the designs yeah. that they became a slightly that, more practical like, looking. Yeah, you know, so I, Iron Man would never have worked. However, Deadpool, Spider-Man, that those kind of characters have a really good practical simple design that that you want to see done as faithfully as possible. So, to go back to Thor who is one of the nominees, what's drastically different about Thor? Is it the helmet or Well, he doesn't have a little T on his belt for starters. Have, have you never <laughs> looked at what 60s Thor's costume looks like? I mean, yeah, but like I said, I don't really I don't really zone in on all the little details i didn't know he had a a t on his belt he has those like giant wings on his helmet he has the like massive yellow boots Mm. 
Like, I mean, it works it's a very in Kirby the sense design. of it's a Jack Kirby comic, yeah. yeah but um, whereas, so it's you basically know, a design that's similar, but not. But you know, just makes the necessary tweaks, like get I mean, rid of the boots the, and the helmet. The Thor costume in the film is a lot more like the uh, Olivier Coipel design, which got introduced with J. Michael Straczynski's run. Mm. That was a kind of which more, I read, right? Yeah, it was a more practical revision of Thor's sixties costume that took away the the like primary colourness of it. I know this is technically hair and makeup, but I want to remove this the Thor costume from consideration because they dyed his beard and eyebrows blonde and it looks weird. Thoughts. <laughs> I know I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> well like, I, I'm willing to let you guys take the lead in this category. Who do you think should be winning? We've got um Deadpool, Dot Strange, Captain America, Thor and Spider Man. Uh Deadpool. Yeah, it's gotta be Deadpool for me, is it? Okay, I'm I'm willing to uh, dot the I's and cross the T's on that. And yes, best costume goes to Deadpool. Um, we'll I'm move... sure that was going to be a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> I never expected I should... it to be. <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I should have known. Um, we're, we're probably, I mean, I don't know exactly. We're, we're probably not too far from uh, halfway. So I think we should get to one of our two Banner Awards. Best film we will save until right at the end of the podcast. But... Let's bring the tone down a bit and discuss worst film of 2016. Now, not quite making the cut, but we're nominated. Um, X-Men Apocalypse, Planet Hulk and Batman v Superman. I can't believe that Batman v Superman didn't make this list. I can, because we we didn't hate it. Only you hated it. I know, but I'm on the right side of history here. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly sure that when 2016 ends, I, I mean, I've, I've now watched the extended cut, so I've seen the film twice. I'm fairly sure that after the end of this year, there's unlikely to come a point where I will decide to watch it again. But, so, you know, I, I will happily just forget about it, really. But it's not the worst film of the year, that, like, that we've covered this year. Easily, and it's also not. It wouldn't, I, it wouldn't have won the award, but it would have comfortably made my top five. Should we talk about the top five? I think there's then. some str- there's some strong contenders here. We have the Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> we have Suicide Squad, uh, which is the one new release that did make this list. Uh, we have Nick Fury, Agent of Shield. <laughs> we have Man of Steel, uh, which is the one that I would dispute strongly, and LXG, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, make makes the final spot. Oh, Jesus. Um, I I I know you guys hate Man of Steel, but I think that it is uh, by some way the best film that DC has made so far. Um, I I think there are films to I think there are a lot of things to very much dislike about it, and I by no stretch like that film. Um, but if you go back and listen to our I think very long Man of Steel podcast, uh, Seb and I and also guest Reese kind of jutes it out about what works and what doesn't work about the film, um, and I think certainly in terms of the things it does right and the merit it has, I think Man of Steel has a lot more good points than any of the nominees here. I mean, I wasn't on the podcast Man of Steel and I haven't rewatched it, so I don't necessarily feel fully informed. But at the same time, I've got no interest in seeing that film again and everything it did wrong made me wish it didn't exist in the first place. Like, (laughs) there was nothing redeemable about that. Like, the, the only thing I remember liking about that film was when Kevin Costner was sort of randomly appearing and disappearing in that spaceship and thinking, oh, yeah, it's like Creepy Watson from that rubbish Sherlock Holmes game. 
<laughs> so I imagine. I imagine you you would be on the exact opposite end of the spectrum from uh, from me, and that Man of Steel is a strong contender in this category for you. Is there anything yeah, but else? Equally, I, is there, I accept is, that it's not going to win. <laughs> but so is is there anything else in this list that stands up anywhere near the Man of Steel level for you? I think, in terms of pure lack of general competence at making a film that's any good. It's hard to look past Nick Fury. Um, <laughs> but I also feel like you can't really judge it on the same scale as the others. Um, I mean, it, was a, it was a crappy TV movie, wasn't it? Mm. As opposed to a multi-billion dollar franchise movie. It's like, and I'm remind me what the others were. To, I'm remembering back to last year, and I think we ended up giving this award to Fantastic Four above films like Howard the Duck. Because while you can't by any stretch call Howard the Duck a ba- like a good movie it's it's objectively a terrible terrible film but it's hard to get quite as like irate about it as you would get about Man of Steel or I would get about The Amazing Spider-Man for example I mean I, I, I I'm starting to feel like I mean Nick Fury Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. is objectively on every conceivable level a worse film than the Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> but in terms of the level of... the calibre of talent involved and the amount of money involved and the source material involved and the opportunity that both films had, The Amazing Spider-Man is fails far more spectacularly to do <laughs> what it should be doing than Nick Fury does. And, I mean, th- I have only one argument against giving Amazing Spider-Man the award in this, and it's another one that's thinking about the future, which is next year we will probably cover Amazing Spider-Man 2 or maybe the year after. I don't know when we'll eventually oh, get to God. it. Whenever we do, that is going to win worst film. That I guarantee, given that Man <laughs> of Steel is this year, I guarantee you, even if we do Batman and Robin... Even if we do Steel or Spawn or whatever, like Amazing Spider-Man 2, I hate that film so much. And I know that James mm-hmm. hates that film mm-hmm. so much that that film is going to win worst film. I mean, it's, it's tough, isn't year. it? Because Amazing Spider-Man was so incompetently made and I was so personally offended by it. And yet there are things in there and you can go, well, that's kind of all right. Yeah, exactly. Like it Emma Stone, got... for example. yeah. And see, like, uh, and Andrew Garfield playing decent... the character that he's been given is good. Yeah, and it's got a half decent version of the origin, which like, and you it's can't, got Martin Sheen. Yeah, you can't <laughs> screw up the Spider-Man origin because it's like perfect. So, mm. just but it was in, so yeah. superfluous at the time it came out, and we, you know, we yeah, we talked but... about the need to even do the origin and to do the origin mm. and not mess it up is fine, but it is far, far inferior to what Sam Raimi did. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, and, 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 and like I say, I mean, I, I think, and I, and I would be, you know, I, I would have similar feelings about Spider-Man 3 because I think on a on a purely, on a level, if you judge it against other, I know we haven't covered it yet, but if you, if you judge it against blockbusters of that type, it's not as bad as it could be, but Spider-Man films should not suck because <laughs> it's Spider-Man. And I don't mean that in a, oh, it's heresy to make a bad Spider-Man film. You've got to get Spider-Man right. What I mean is the source material and the character that you're working with should be just such a home run. It should be so easy to do a good Spider-Man. And, you know, Sam Raimi managed to do that. And, you know, those 10 minutes of Civil War, 
you know, it's not that the people making the Marvel films are like extreme geniuses who happen <laughs> to be the first people to hit upon what makes that character work. All they did was they went, Spider-Man is great, let's do Spider-Man. And it, it, it just it shouldn't be difficult to do Spider-Man right. So when you do Spider-Man badly, it comes off worse than when you are, as I say, I mean, like Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. is, is utter shite and I don't plan to re-watch it. But it feels like it's it's punching slightly more, uh, not above its weight, but you know it's certainly not punching below its weight in the way that Amazing Spider-Man does. I mean, for me, the, what what this boils down to is I can think of things about Amazing Spider-Man and Suicide Squad, and even Batman vs Superman, and like all those other films, even Nick Fury to some extent. I can think of things that I like. Whereas Man of Steel, all I can think is that I wish it would be thrown into the Marianas mm. Trench. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel that way about Man of Steel as well. So actually, I mean, I and like Man of Steel, I think is a worse film than Amazing Spider-Man. So yeah, for sure. as much as for Joe sure. may strenuously object, I think if, so, if this is so how the wrong. voting's going, <laughs> I, mean, um, I, I think we should if, gang up on Joe. <laughs> if this was down to me, it would be a straight fight, a straight fight between the Amazing Spider-Man and Suicide Squad, and people can go back to. In fact, I would highly recommend if you never listened to it to go back and listen to our Amazing Spider-Man podcast because I kind of went into that knowing that I didn't really like it on a first watch, <laughs> and rewatched it on Blu-ray and was stunned by the kind of depths of its ineptitude in terms of so many different things that it was doing in terms of making you invest in the hero in terms of the arc of the character throughout the story um just there is there is a multitude of things that that film fails on the kind of the the big set piece of the trailer that it hooked people in with it kind of abandoned in the actual film with the like spider's eye view of him swinging through the city and i i think that film is atrocious and I can't believe how much it squanders a great character and a great you know central cast because you know we talked about um Martin Sheen being really great and um you know it's Dennis Leary is surprisingly really great as <laughs> yeah, he is um, as Captain Stacy <laughs> Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield have you know so much chemistry they started smooching in real life um, that's that's how you know that's the the like the raw materials that you're working with and the fact that everything goes so horrendously wrong and I think people forget quite how bad it is so I would urge you to go back and listen to that episode <laughs> to see me kind of slowly deliriously over the course of about two hours get to grips with how much I hated it having said that I think Suicide Squad might be more incompetently made well I'd, um, I mean I, I, I still haven't seen it so I'd, I'd like you two to talk about why Suicide Squad is so bad potentially okay. could you two both vote for that and, and that could be the well this is this is the thing I don't think Suicide Squad is the worst film because there are bits <laughs> of that that I think are fun and it's things like Will Smith is magnetic and there are jokes Mar- that land and Margot Robbie is good and Margot Robbie is great yeah so it's like it's a bad film, but it's got good things in it. And I would, yeah, but of, I, of those I mean, films, I would happily watch Suicide Squad above any of the others. I, I see. And I, whereas I think that the, in terms of, in terms of the actual craft, uh, the, that is a, a baffling first 45 minutes oh, yeah, of, it's a, trash. of a movie. Like, and it's, it, it's entirely getting by on individual little good moments. There's just, there's so much incompetence in that film. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. And it, it's been 
edited within an inch of its life um, and it shows in the final product. The mission the team goes on doesn't make very much sense. <laughs> it's very hard to invest in more than Will Smith and Margot Robbie. Um, it, I, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, my, I my think it's a, thing. a terrible, terrible film. And it, I mean, I'll just make the case for Man of Steel why I don't think it should win because... because when you talk about, you know, thinking there's nothing in it, I think certainly in terms of the filmmaking, and I know you guys hate Zack Snyder, but there are some beautiful and iconic moments in Man of Steel. Um, and there are some there are some small moments with um, some of the supporting characters that are really strong. I think they do a good job of setting up a Lois Lane that has some agency, and Amy Adams is really good in that film in a way that she's not allowed to be in Batman v Superman. Um I think there's a lot of things wrong with it, but I think they are things that bother people like you rather than people like me, which is to say people that need the movies adding comic book concepts context. And I under, I understand why you hate it. I just, uh, I, I would say if we're talking about how many individual things are good about something, I would look at Batman, uh, Man of Steel and say the score, the cinematography, um, more of the performances, um, individual little moments even though i accept that this film is you know it's it's i i probably would have had it like sixth or seventh in this list it would just be missing out on on the nominees it's in no way a good film i don't like it but i just don't hate it the way you guys do see i just think like as seb was saying about amazing spider-man in terms of what they squandered it's so monumental like superman is the iconic superhero like he's not my favorite but mm. if you can't get Superman right on even a basic level, you don't deserve to be near the genre. And I'm trying to see if there's a, a particular factor that would make me pick one over the other. I mean, with Man of Steel, I, it just always comes back to, it's so bad it made me puke. Um, <laughs> but actually... Well, like, just I, as... I, I am willing to, uh, to step aside here because, I mean, James hates well, it and Seb... I remember how viscerally angry you got on our. Just I remember when, like, when Reese would say something that he liked about the film, and like you, like, spluttered. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, the thing is, you be like, but I mean, you're you're almost talking me out of making the point that I was going to make. That's actually in favour of of giving this to Amazing Spider-Man, which which is your vote. Um, which is, I'm not I mean, sure it is though. It could be Suicide well, Squad. I'm torn as well. Well, if it's Suicide Squad, then we've got a. If it's not between Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man and Man of Steel, then I'll vote for Man of Steel. But I do think, just from what James said about you know what they squander, um, it's true that they both squander what should be really easy characters to do well. There is slightly more precedent for doing a bad Superman movie than there is for doing <laughs> a bad Spider-Man movie. And so, because even actually, again, we'll, we will discuss it when we get to it. It's a total mess, but actually, Spider-Man Three, I think, particularly in in hindsight, isn't as bad as people say. It's not mm. great, but it's not as bad as people say. Um, whereas, although actually, I do kind of think that about Superman Three as well. It's it's ridiculous, but it has redeeming features. Anyway, we're getting way ahead of you know future podcasts here. Um, yeah, I think I feel like Amazing Spider-Man is actually more of a missed opportunity than than man of steel i th- i think i think superman is slightly harder to get right than spider-man and for that reason while i there's so much that i find morally abhorrent about man of steel it's more understandable to me that someone could come to superman and and not do it right um the, but 
if if you're going to vote for Suicide Squad, then we've got a three-way tie. <laughs> then then my vote definitely goes for. Uh, for Man of I mean, Steel the thing is, ama- like yeah. like you say, Amazing Spider-Man Two has got this category stitched up in whatever year we do yeah. that. So I'm not I mean, too worried is, I mean, about not giving I'd, it I'd, here. I don't want to spoiler that podcast too much, but man, <laughs> that is going to be. Uh, uh, you know. There will be swearing. <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be nuts when we go from our amazing Spider-Man podcast where I got a lot more um, irate than you guys, where I think that I will probably be defending the Amazing Spider-Man two more than you two will be. Um, I'm just gonna say it now: Amazing Spider-Man two is the most morally abhorrent superhero movie I have ever seen. Yeah, because it's the film where Spider-Man kills the kid who's getting bullied. Yeah. <laughs> Blows him up, uh, literally. We'll get to that in the future. The victim. Um, I don't know what to do now because I I kind of think Suicide Squad would be my pick over Amazing Spider-Man, but I okay, know what that, if that then I know that <laughs> that then makes me lose. <laughs> so um, I, I I tell you what I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna vote Amazing Spider-Man because James is gonna vote Man of Steel and Seb. I think you should just just go with your heart which is which is the worst movie out of Man of Steel and Amazing Spider-Man. You can you can make this decision. Man of Steel. Man of Steel is the worst film we've done on the podcast in 2016. That is, uh, that's that's the winner of that award, apparently. Um, <laughs> Can I just say that I, I love that none of us actually ever seriously considered Nick Fury. It's just <laughs> hard to hate, isn't it? And like, I, I, I'm not sure if you remember, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was one of the nominees there as well. But again, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not, not I mean, good. We but talked it's about hard it at the time. to get. It doesn't make me angry. It's not a very good film, but there are things I like about it, and it doesn't make me angry. So, yeah. Right, well, we'll get to our final category for this uh, first half of the podcast, Um, and this is going to be a very quick one because um, there's only two nominees. This is uh, Best Song. Um, there is one song that all three of us nominated, and then Seb, you, su- you what was what was your suggestion for the second? My nomination? suggestion was picking Cotton all day long from Ghost World, which um, it's just it's it's a bit of a like and we will talk about it further down the line. But you, you know how much I love Ghost World, and and my mm. wife loves Ghost World as much, if not more, than I do, and like. One of our most common repeated catchphrases is, um, "You should, if you like authentic blues, you should really check out Blues Hammer. They're so great." Um, <laughs> and that song, when they come on and they do that picking cotton all day long, it's just like that just kills me every time. All right, people, are you ready to boogie? The people that play some authentic way down in the Delta blues. So get ready to rock your world. Um, I mean, it's not going to win because we only have one candidate really this year. But yeah. I had to throw something else in, and that was the first thing that came to mind. Because I mean, I, I don't know if we talked. about I think last time we had more in the way of original songs. Um, yeah. I don't know if we if we well, considered like pre-existing songs mm. that um, that w- that are used to good effect in films. I mean, if we're talking about that, then I would potentially nominate um, 
can't actually remember the, what the title of the song is, um, but it's the song from the opening credits of um, Deadpool. Uh, is it just called Angel in the Morning? I know that's the lyric. Yeah, Angel, Angel in the Morning, yeah. yeah. Angel of the Morning. I mean, Deadpool um, has I mean, Deadpool has an original song in um, the Deadpool rap as well, which is pretty fun. <laughs> Luke um, Cage has an original song. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, that's really good as well, isn't it? Is oh, it I know we didn't... The, the, um, Method Man's the rap. Method Man. Yeah, I, I thought, thought was that was great. the most cringe-worthy part of a very <laughs> like bad episode. Oh, Amon will will have words with you. That was it. Ma- it made me we feel were, nauseous. We were rhapsodizing about so that moment. It was so on the nose. It was so on the nose. Oh, that show could have done with being on the nose a bit more often, uh, or it wouldn't have gone so badly off track, would it, James? <laughs> would it? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that, that would that would maybe get a nomination from me, though. Um, but given that we talked about it so recently um, on the podcast, I don't think we need to discuss why this is our winner right now. I think what we should just let what we should just do, guys, is let this song play us out um, on this first half of the award show special. So hopefully, it's kicking in in the background as I speak right now. This is our winner of best song in 2016. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you with the second half of our award show special next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Let me lose from Berlin.